0: If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly.
1: Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today we're talking about mold, because that can be really expensive if you get it in your house. Joining me today is Michael Rubino. He is the mold medic. You're also the author of the book, The Mold Medic. So welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me.
1: First of all, why should I care about mold? I mean, you know, I get that on my cheese and I just throw the cheese away. It's not a big deal.
2: Yeah, totally. So there's obviously different types of mold. The mold that grows on our cheese or our bread, a little different than some of the ones that are known to cause health hazards that are typically due to water damaged buildings. And I would say the main reason why you want to care about mold is because if you have too much of it in your environment, it definitely can cause some health implications So as we all search for, you know, uh, more exercise, drinking more water, eating better food, one of the things that we tend not to think about is our air quality.
1: And that's a big deal these days, especially for me, we live in the Mountain West and we get all the wildfires and Mm -hmm. they tell us, don't go outside when you've got a bunch of smoke in the atmosphere. It's really bad for the lungs. But guess what? Opening up those windows on cool nights, all that smoke comes into your house, bad air quality. But this is a different type of air quality. It just kind of grows in dark places that we don't always notice.
2: Yeah, so basically kind of how air quality works is really any particles that you're breathing in. And with smoke, smoke's actually a particle too. Uh, Different type of particle, of course, than let's say mold, but kind of all in the same premise of, you know, having an abundance of particles that are entering the body, the body now has to work to fight to remove those particles, the smaller the particle, the worse it is for us, because smaller particles bypass our self defense mechanisms. Uh, bypass essentially the lungs, enter the bloodstream, and then it becomes harder and harder from there for the body to fight to remove it. So, you know, with air quality, we want to look at anything that has the the ability to create particles like mold, like bacteria, and making sure that they're less inside the home so that we can live optimal lives.
1: Would having some type of an air filter be helpful to prevent mold or not?
2: Well, I wouldn't say prevent mold, but uh, filtration is really, really important piece of the puzzle. And I'll give you an example why. We all have HVAC systems that provide either heat or cooling to our homes. And mold is is so small uh, that it typically bypasses most of our filters, gets into the coil. If you have AC, right, the coil constantly condensates providing that wet environment for mold to grow. And now basically the HVAC has mold growing on it and that starts to produce particles. With mold, it's two different things you're looking at, the organism and the particle. Mold's very similar to like a plant. You know, plants produce seeds as a methods of reproducing. That seed needs to hit soil. It needs to have water to begin to grow into an organism. So we want to really negate the ability for these spores call or, or seeds, if you will, to become full-blown organisms inside of our home where they're now producing more and more seeds, potentially toxins, et cetera. So having filtration is definitely going to remove the spores that are in the air if you have a good filter, and they'll also prevent, you know, something like the HVAC from becoming contaminated.
1: sounds like we need to back up a little bit and find out how do I get mold in my, well, I don't want it. I want to prevent it, but but <laughs> what creates the mold in my house?
2: So a couple of different, I would say, common things that occur is like wet environments, like a crawl space, perfect environment for mold to grow. A lot of people uh, have mold in their crawl spaces, may not even know it because they never go down there. Basements, kind of similar thing, especially if you have a finished basement, there could be mold growing behind the wall. You're not aware of it. There is some good indicators you may notice some odd, musty smells in your basement that can kind of give you a clue to that there might be some some activity behind the walls. As far as attics, attics are another thing where roof leaks, uh, maybe the ventilation's blocked. I've had so many clients that had a door-to-door salesman knock on their door, hey, we're gonna upgrade your insulation. They don't take out your old insulation. They just put insulation, new insulation on top of old insulation. They block all the vents. And now there's no air exchange in the attic. Excess humidity creates an ability for mold to grow too. So it kind of creates this perfect storm. Of course, kitchens, bathrooms, leaks, things like that. So there has to be either high humidity uh, above 60% or there has to be some sort of leak active water situation that allows mold to start to grow.
1: I remember after Katrina in 2005, that six weeks after all the water receded, it had only been six weeks, houses were from top to bottom just covered in mold. So I think a lot of us may have thought, oh, well, mold only happens in these really damp places and when you get a lot of rain. But that's not the case because you're saying it could just happen if there's a leak or water gets somewhere that you don't Completely dry out, and then then the heat comes, and stuff happens.
2: Well, what's interesting about it is, like, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So, mold can grow in as quickly as 24 to 48 hours with some species, and Aspergillus is just an example, is, is one of those. And when we have a leak, it typically takes three to five days to dry out. So, as you can see, if it's wet for more than 24 to 48 hours, mold can grow. And because it takes three to five days for a leak to dry, unless you remove all that wet building material, you see that we're kind of always in this situation where every leak has the potential for a source of mold to start to grow. When we have these sources of, of, you know, basically uh, organisms growing, they're producing, right? And these spores and these toxins is what gets into our breathing zone. And what, it's what enters the body, and it's what causes these these adverse health reactions. A lot of people complain about things like brain fog, chronic fatigue, respiratory issues, skin issues like eczema, hives, rashes. Um, so you know these are these are some of the the main common symptoms that people are dealing with when they have this abundance in their environment. And we've noticed this kind of pattern where. When people are not feeling they're quite themselves, they're going to different doctors. Doctors are doing blood work, all these assessments essentially, and they're not seeing anything wrong with them. We're finding that like ninety percent of the time, uh, we're finding stuff inside of their home that's kind of being the culprit here. So, you know, to to have people on on people's radar, you know, always just make sure that. You're vigilant when water damage occurs so that you don't have these problems that continue to persist.
1: Actually, that happened to a friend of mine. She had been living in a, in a rental for about six months, and during that six months... All three members of the family became very ill, and they spent thousands upon thousands of dollars trying to figure out what it was. Because, like you said, the breathing problems, the, the brain fog, even some neurological issues like having yeah. a hard time holding on to pencils and papers. And when they finally moved out of the house, they moved one of the beds away from the wall, and it was just covered in black mold. Yeah. And that was 15 years ago and they still have health effects from the mold they were exposed to for just that six-month period. My friend has now developed what's called Meniere's disease. It's an inner ear issue, so she gets really dizzy, has bouts of vertigo, things like that at really inopportune times. And her other family has too. They've had a a lot of health issues. So that is very, very costly, just medical-wise, not to mention just mentally, just like, what is going on with me and not knowing?
2: Oh, yeah, no, definitely. We we also hear bouts of anxiety, uh, vertigo, as you mentioned, is another big, big common indicator. It is costly, right? And so I always tell people, yeah, remediation may be costly, testing may be costly to figure out where it's all coming from, but not doing something about it is much more costly. And that's kind of how we have to look at this thing. If we can be more mindful and knowing how mold starts to grow in the first place and be more vigilant, we're going to prevent a lot of these situations from becoming too out of control where the cost just becomes insurmountable. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have is because we're out there saying mold's no big deal, just throw some bleach on it. And people haven't really shifted to the science of what's actually happening. I think that we tend to create these problems ourselves. And so for anyone listening, you know, in terms of costs and everything and else in between, we're talking about our health. It's, it's 10 times cheaper to try to come up with strategies to be vigilant and prevent the ability for mold to grow, then it is a deal with not only the, the issues with the home, but then also the cost of the health side of things as well.
1: We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll go more into what are some things we can do on an individual level to prevent the mold, but also what if it's past that point and I need to call on the professionals, what happens then? So we'll be right back with Michael Rubino. He is the mold medic and also owns the company All-American Restoration.
0: Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. Today, we're talking about the costs of mold. Both not doing anything about it and also if you do have to get it fixed. Joining me today is Michael Rubino. He is the author of the book, The Mold Medic, and you mainly deal with remediation, meaning if someone finds mold in the house, you're the one that comes in and takes care of it all, right?
2: That's correct. Yes. I've been in the industry for about 10 years now. Um, My father was a a contractor before me. So it's kind of, I kind of got a good head start knowing construction and being around construction my entire life. But I I would say what I got really interested in this was after uh, Hurricane Sandy, being from the Northeast, I started to see this pattern of people not feeling well. And that's what really caught my attention because like most people previous to that, I really just assumed that mold wasn't this big deal. Uh, I didn't really connect the dots the way that I've connected them today. And so as I started diving into this and started you know, really working with people, I actually started exclusively working with people who were really hypersensitive, uh, people who were really feeling ill from it. One of the things that I noticed was that basically the current standards of remediation weren't cutting it for someone who is dealing with this from a medical-based perspective. And the reason being is because we have those two factors of the organism and the particle. Everybody knows to cut out the drywall, remove the insulation. You're going to remove most of the organism at that point. But what about all the particles being created since that mold was actively growing inside of our home? Those particles tend to get into the HVAC. They can contaminate the HVAC. They get all of our stuff. As you mentioned with your friend's story about the mold being all over the bed when it was up against the wall. So it's, it's more problematic than what the industry really was, was leading on. So I had to kind of go above and beyond to figure all this out and come up with a way to help people, even the most sensitive and extreme of cases. And so that's kind of what I've done. And I've been doing it for 10 years. And you know, helping people has been such a, a gratifying experience, especially because there's 50,000 companies out there and most of them are doing things the same way as they've been doing them since the 70s, 80s, and 90s
1: hopefully we don't have to come into contact with mold before we discover we're one of those hypersensitive people. So what are some things I can do in my own home to prevent mold from growing?
2: A couple of things. We talked about, you know, water damage and being vigilant, knowing that mold can grow in as quickly as 24 to 48 hours. You know, if you have water damage, you want to be vigilant and make sure you're tackling that before 24 to 48 hours. And you want to remove all the wet building material don't just go and set up fans and dehumidifiers because those, those typically will take three to five days to, to really fully dry everything. Um, so you want to cut out the, the, the wet building material. Unfortunately, uh, the whole two foot flood cuts only works if the water came from the floor level. If the water came from above, you have to remove from top down, not just two feet on the bottom. So that's That's a really good tip and trick to prevent mold when you have this emergency type action that needs to occur. The other thing to know is that mold can start to grow in 60% relative humidity or greater. So you're in a humid climate or you're in a climate where the seasons change and you do get some humidity in the summertime, want to make sure that the humidity inside, you know, your crawl space, your basement and your home in general is lower than 60%. I try to always keep it between 45 and 50% for comfort reasons and to just keep it away from that threshold. Um, so that's gonna be another key thing. There are dehumidifiers that you can buy to control the humidity inside your home. If you live in a drier climate, uh, you have the opposite problem. You tend to add humidity to your home. So again, um, you know, I've seen people make the mistake of adding so much humidity that the walls are literally sweating. There's just beads of condensation going up and down the walls. That's, you don't want it that wet, right? So get a device that you can control, something where, you know, you keep it between that 45 and 50% sweet spot. It gets to 50%, it cuts off, gets to 45%, it turns on, and just to kind of keep it there. Uh, anything that you have to monitor or control, we're human beings. Life happens. We tend to, you know, have to go downstairs. We leave the room. We forget it's on. That's why you want to always have something that that can have some sort of control system. Cleaning. Everyone's favorite thing to do, right? <laughs> cleaning is so vitally important because what's in our dust gets in our bodies. There's many different reasons why that occurs. If you've ever sat on a couch uh, looking out the window and saw that ray of light pass and you see all these particles floating in the air, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, mold, toxins, pollens, allergens, dust mites, you name it. They're they're attached to these particles. And as we inhale those particles, they're getting inside of our bodies. So by removing dust reservoirs across our home, you know we're definitely going to be inadvertently removing these, these contaminants from our home as well, which means less opportunity for us to breathe them. Upgrade your HVAC filtration. Most of us have like a MERV 8 if we have really any protection at all. Uh, Merv eight doesn't remove as small of a particle like mold. So you want to see if you can get something better than that. Um, there is Merv 16 technology available. So that's the best that we have on the market. If you can swing that you should, if you can't just get the best that you possibly can to protect your HVAC air purification systems are not a bad idea either. Um, they can get pretty pricey. The key is find the best system that can remove the smallest particle possible. That's within your budget and go for that. Um, and I think really you, you kind of keep up on those things and mold's really not going to be an impact for you.
1: Just so people have an idea of price-wise, I have a cat that is allergic to everything, dust mites and house flies. I mean, she's allergic to everything. Before I got her, the filters I was using in my HVAC system were Merv 12s. I did do a slight upgrade for myself and they were about $25 a piece Since we discovered my cat was allergic to everything, I have upgraded to the MERV 16s and they're $85 a piece. Sure. So that's a huge difference in price. And even those MERV 12s, 25 bucks, for some people, they're like, I usually only spend three bucks on my filter. So it it can be a little bit pricey, but you have to weigh that against your health. What is the cost of your health worth to you?
2: Well, you have you know the cost of your health, but also let's talk about our HVAC machines. I mean that you know in today's day and age, it can be anywhere between ten and fifteen thousand dollars per machine. Some of us may have one machine, some of us may have two, or even more than that. So, protecting your machine is also protecting your investment as well. Because if you have a filter, a three dollar filter that at that point probably only removes things like hair, um, you know you're you're really not going to protect that machine. The machines easily able to get contaminated at that point. Uh, you may start noticing musty, weird smells coming from your HVAC if your machine's not protected. And the only way to get rid of that smell would be to spend thousands of dollars to have it all cleaned. So when you start to look at this, the $85 that you spend you know, is really actually going to save you money in the long run between your health and your your equipment. I know it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it's it's probably a sound investment.
1: So you're talking about let's keep up on the cleaning of our houses, essentially. What about doing some type of monthly or quarterly inspection, like walls, like moving the beds out away from walls to make sure? Because most of us don't think about moving the headboard or anything like that ever.
2: I think that's a great idea, doing at the very least an annual inspection of the home you can get some professionals involved, like having a roofer up there to just take a look, make any recommendations of anything that they see that's off. Over the years, obviously things happen with our roof and then we have a leak. If you can catch it before you have a leak, that's always, you're ahead of the curve. Uh, You're going to save a lot of money there. Also doors and windows, right? Checking doors and windows. Um, Doors and windows typically have flashing or caulking, depending on the style of the window that does deteriorate over time. And so inspecting those and making sure that they're in good condition, preventing leaks from occurring is typically a good idea. And then yes, on the interior side, making sure you're you're keeping up on changing those $85 filters in your HVAC because if you keep them too long, they're not as effective. So they start to not work as intended. Checking behind you know, furniture, right? Furniture up against the wall, like a headboard or a desk that can block your view um, if you have a, you know a moisture problem. You'll see mold growing in between the furniture and the wall. So you'll definitely want to, you know, check out those things as well. And then, yeah, I think if you stay on top of everything else, you know, that we mentioned today, I think you're you're going to be in pretty good shape.
1: Okay, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, I want to move on to. It's too late for me. I can't clean it up myself. I've got to call in the remediation. What does that entail and how much will it cost me? So we'll be right back with Michael Rubineau. He is the mold medic. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today we've been talking about mold. And what it costs you if you get it. Joining me today is Michael Rubino. He's the author of the book, The Mold Medic. But you also own your own company, All American Restoration, because you help to remediate people's homes if they do get mold. So what does that mean, remediate? I mean, that sounds like I've been bad in school or something, and you're going to send me to the principal's <laughs> office.
2: Yeah. So, the, I mean, the real term remediate basically means to to make corrective actions, to make repairs. And it's, it's called remediate for a reason, because when you're remediating a home, you're basically making repairs or making improvements there's no way to eliminate mold uh, or bacteria to a net zero. What you want to do is you want to basically remove the abundancy, the abnormalities where things are just growing out of control and it's creating too much particles that are overloading our immune system. So there's no one perfect fix for this. Uh, it's all It all requires critical thinking and making sure that the house not only removes the mold that's there but also create systems and strategies to make sure it doesn't come back. So that's kind of why it's called remediation.
1: So if I wind up with mold that I can't take care of on my own, and first of all, you said just using bleach isn't the best idea if I do find mold. But if we get to the point where there's too much of it, or I don't know how to take care of it, and I call you in, what happens? Are you going to tear down all of my drywall from head, you know, top to bottom, what are you going to do and how much does it cost?
2: A lot of great questions there. One, yes, definitely never use bleach on mold. It doesn't kill mold. It does bleach the mold though. So it makes it lighter in color, makes it feel, makes it look like it's gone, but it's not actually gone. If anyone has ever had a stubborn mold problem where they throw bleach on it in their kitchen or bathroom and it just keeps coming back, that's that's exactly why. Uh, if you go on the EPA's website, You can search uh, bleach and mold as a keyword, and those are a whole article about why you shouldn't use bleach to to try to remove or kill mold. Uh, Killing mold is not the objective; removing it is. Killing it really is 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 not a strategy that you want to employ because even dead mold can cause some adverse health reactions in people. So we want to just remove it. Simple as that. How to remove it? Well. As you mentioned, you may have to rip down some walls. And why would you need to do that? Well, if you had, let's say, a window leaking and mold was growing, you know, either on the drywall or behind the drywall right below that window, you'd have to open up that drywall. You'd have to remove that insulation. And most likely what you're going to see is you're going to see mold growing on the framing or on the sheathing behind that wall. So you want to really scrub and remove it from the, the structure as well. And you want to do that all all with engineering controls because mold can aerosolize. Uh, you're scrubbing it off a of framing. You can release hundreds of thousands of these particles, uh, or if not millions of these particles, into the air that can traverse across the house. Not exactly what you want to do. So you always want to seal off the room, put the room under negative pressure, and, and really make sure you're being diligent and removing and being thorough, making sure that you're getting the mold organism plus the particles that have been aerosolized as well. So you typically do want to hire a professional uh, for some of these projects where you're are, are doing demolition just because if you do it wrong, you can kind of cause more harm than good. What does it cost? If you had mold in a bedroom per se, uh, I would say to do it right. You're probably looking somewhere around that $5,000 range. If you have mold in an attic or a basement uh and you need like total demolition, you need waterproofing technologies, dehumidifiers, the whole works uh to prevent mold from from reoccurring, that can really add up to twenty twenty five thousand for an average size home, and of course more for a larger home, so yes, you're right, it does get costly, but like we said earlier, this is part of you know maintaining a home, renovating a home, and it's certainly will get more and more costly from a health perspective. The problem will get worse and become more costly too as the structure begins to degrade. So we we really do need to be on top of this.
1: If I have home insurance and I do get some water damage for whatever reason, typically insurance will cover repairing like the water damage. What about mold remediation, the extent that you're talking about? Will insurance cover that?
2: It varies state to state, uh, unfortunately, and some states they have like a cap where you know they'll cover water damage, but any mold remediation that needs to happen is capped at ten thousand. When we buy insurance, our, our salespeople they don't do a great job explaining what's covered, what's not covered. So I beg people, if you're listening to this, call your insurance company, see what mold coverage you have. Whatever you have, just Get it to the max because, you know, for just a a couple bucks more a month, you'll be surprised. It's really not that expensive. You'll get the right coverage so that it, God forbid, you do have a big leak and you have to, you know, remediate your entire basement. And that costs, like we said, 20, 25,000. You want to have 20, 25,000 in your policy to cover that. Some states, by default, they just don't give you mold coverage. You have to specifically ask for it. So make sure that everybody who's on this podcast review your insurance policy call your broker see what you have because it's one of the most costly things that we tend to not have the the best coverage for whereas like fire storm damage things like that we tend to have better coverage for so mold seems to be one of those things that we're just it's not top of mind we're not they're not asking us about it and so it gets slipped under the rug until you need it. And then you realize, crap, I don't have it. And Now you're treading back behind water.
1: Any other tips you can give the listeners about mold or hopefully not getting mold as we wrap things up?
2: Prevention is is the best, most cost-effective way for cure, right? So Mm -hmm. we have to make sure we're preventing it from growing because it does get costly when we do make those unfortunate mistakes and let it fester and continue to grow. So again, just a recap, Water damage, mold can grow in as quickly as 24 to 48 hours, remove the the wet building materials as soon as possible, then dry the structure, right? So that's kind of the the key process there. Dehumidification, making sure we're not getting over 60% relative humidity is really key, And cleaning, cleaning dust reservoirs where these mold spores that are part of our ecosystem can become abundant, circulating around the home, entering our breathing zone. And then of course, when there is a water problem, there's a lot of seeds there to just start to grow right away. So those are are definitely the top things. And then if you are looking for mold, I have a really great tip here. Let's say you suspect you have mold or you know you have mold. Maybe your doctor's telling you to check for mold. The best way to do it is to actually test the dust. Most people think test the air, right? That, that was the gold standard for many, many years. And I'm here to tell you why it's no longer the gold standard, because the air tests only test for like two cubic feet around that circumference. So the further away from the source that you are, the less likely you are to pick up anything. If you test the dust, you're actually going to be able to quantify the particles for each different species inside that dust. So to give you an example, if you have high levels of aspergillus inside the home, That's going to tell you that, okay, I must have a humidity issue somewhere, or I must have some sort of moisture problem somewhere that's allowing aspergillus to grow. Now, let me think, rack my head around it and figure out where it could be. Let me go find it. If you do an air test and nothing comes back, it's going to give you that false sense of security that, oh, it can't be mold. My house is clean. It's got to be some other condition. And we see a lot of that happening. And then they end up doing the dust tests and then find out that it was mold all along. So start with the dust and work backwards instead of starting with the air. And that's a really good tip and, and will be very helpful for those that are listening.
1: Okay. And then the one other tip it sounds like that you would give is get the best in mold insurance you can oh, yeah. based on yeah. where you live.
2: Get the best insurance you can based upon your state, you know, your state regulations and be protected. You'd rather not need it and have it than need it and not have it.
1: Well, thank you so much, Michael Rubineau. Again, you are the Mold Medic. You're the author of the book, The Mold Medic. And you also own a company called All American Restoration, where you actually go in and remediate mold out of people's homes.
2: That's exactly right. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such an amazing conversation and a pleasure to be here.
1: Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode.
0: Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense onto social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.
2: It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never
1: understand it. I will never accept it. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.